Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field and is here today and is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things. And your father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. <laughs> Each day has enough trouble of its own. This is the word of the Lord from Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 through 34. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Sometimes we say things like, these are some of the best words that Jesus ever said. I'm not sure I know how to quantify that. Every word that Jesus spoke was a very word that came from God himself. So I don't know how to measure which ones are the best, which ones are the most beautiful to me. We, we weigh them all the same. But I can certainly say of this passage here, for me personally, these are some of the most impactful and beautiful words that Jesus ever spoke. And I think they are also some of the most timely. Though everything we've read in the Sermon on the Mount has been timely for us, for right now, these words are especially timely because we are living in such a time of high anxiety. So many people are anxious, and so anxious that lashing out or even outright rage just seems to always be brimming right below the surface. And for many people, dare we even say for some of us, it doesn't take very much to make that which is brimming under the surface burst out and, and, and spill out all over other people. I had an experience like that just this week. I was at the entrance to my neighborhood. I had to stop and take care of something for a moment. There was a person who pulled up behind me, and I kid you not when I say this person was probably delayed no more than 10 seconds. But as the person went around me, they called me a really, really ugly name, using really ugly words. Boys and girls, can you believe that, that somebody would call your pastor a really ugly name using ugly words? I, I, again, 10-second delay and for whatever reason, this person just exploded in anger as a result. The truth is that in many ways, I believe we're seeing the worst in some people because this is such a time of high anxiety. If we will show a little bit of grace, I think we, we understand that people are more anxious, more worried, more concerned than 
Perhaps they've been at any other time in their lives. And because of that, like is true for us, when we're worried, we often act the worst. We bring out the worst in ourselves. As one pastor from days past said, there may be greater sins than worry, but certainly there is no more disabling sin than worry. And we feel right now how worry and anxiety affect us. And as Jesus turns the Sermon on the Mount towards worry, but even more than that, towards seeking first his kingdom and his righteousness, he begins this section with the word, therefore, which reminds us then that he's pointing us back to some of the things that he's already said as we've been making our way through the Sermon on the Mount. And specifically, I believe he's pointing us back to what he said that we covered last week, and I want to take just a moment to thank Glenn, my father-in-law, for preaching last week, for bringing such a wonderful sermon. And I want to thank you all because truly I mean this from my heart. You all are a church family that we miss when we are away. And I'm so blessed to have a church and to have a job that I look forward to returning to. We were in Angel Fire, New Mexico. I won't tell you what the temperature was there while we were there, okay? It was much better than it is here but it's great to be back with you. And again, Jesus is building on the words that we heard last week. Words that began, Do not store up for yourselves. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. Because treasures on earth can be destroyed. They can decay. They can be taken away from us. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, but lay up, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where things will never decay, where things will never be destroyed, where what God gives us can never be taken away. That's where your treasure is. May your heart be there also. And then Jesus concludes by saying, we cannot serve two masters. No one can serve God and money, or, or mammon is the word, at the same time. And for those of you who as true disciples long for your hearts to belong to God fully and, and to serve God, not money, not mammon. Therefore, Jesus says, this is what it looks like to live that out. And he begins with the words in verse 25, do not worry about your life. This may be one of those verses that begins with words where we'd like to say to Jesus, thanks a lot. That sounds easier said than done but again as jesus unpacks this teaching he he talks to us about why we should not worry about our life and then how we walk in obedience to not worry about our life therefore i tell you do not worry about your life what you will eat or drink or about your body what you will wear is not life more than food and the body more than clothes one of the key parts of this teaching is Jesus reminding us, calling us to be fully present in this moment, right here and now, that God has for us. That's hard to do, though. All of us who are adults can, can certainly say there have been times in our life where we failed to be fully present in the moment. We look back and we say, I, I made the mistake of thinking that the grass was greener. 
or I made the mistake of focusing so much on the future, what, what might happen, what I wanted to happen, that I missed it. I missed the moment in the here and now, in the present, where I should have been fully present because God had some amazing things for me to experience then. But because I was so focused on the future, I wasn't fully present in the moment there are things that I missed. Actually, the word that Jesus uses here for worry is a word that he says very personally to someone in another story in the Gospels. Most of you probably know the story of Mary and Martha. You remember that Jesus went into the home of Mary and Martha, these two sisters, and they were preparing a meal for Jesus. Well, actually, it ended up that only one of the sisters was doing the work to prepare the meal. Martha was running around, creating the food, preparing the table, cleaning everything up, wanting to make sure that all of the details were perfect because she had Jesus in her home. But where was her sister Mary? Mary was nowhere to be found where the work was being done. Mary was sitting at the feet of Jesus and while Martha ran around taking care of the details there, Mary sat like a disciple at the feet of her rabbi, drinking in, taking in every word that Jesus had for her. Mary did not miss one thing in that present moment with Jesus that he had for her. But Martha comes in like a typical sister would, right? And she says, Jesus, have you noticed that I've been the one doing all the work? I've done this, I've done that. I've been making all the preparations for this meal and my sister is nowhere to be found. Jesus said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed and in this moment, indeed, only one is needed. Mary has chosen better and what she has chosen will not be taken away from her. Most of us, in many occasions in our lives, look a lot more like Martha than Mary, don't we? It's the culture we live in. It's the pace of the culture we live in. Always drawing us out to be busier and to run around and to try to take care of every detail ourselves. But Mary sat in the presence of Jesus and she was fully present in the moment, that divine moment that God had for her. When Jesus says to Martha, you are worried about too many things. He uses the same exact word that he says to us here. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life. Is not life more than food? Is not life more than what pleases the body clothes? When we think about fear and anxiety in our own lives, the truth is we cannot even imagine the fear and anxiety that many of the people in this audience who heard the Sermon on the Mount the first time were living under. They were living under the occupation of Rome, the most powerful empire the world had ever known to that point in history. And Rome had literally occupied every part of their lives, their homes, their land, their economy, their jobs, their livelihoods. Everything they had was surrendered to Rome, and that was not their choice it had been taken from them by force. And so when Jesus uses the language earlier in the Sermon on the Mount, in the Lord's Prayer of give us today our daily bread, he was speaking to people who literally were worried at times about whether or not they would have their daily bread. Will we have tomorrow the things that we need, that our family needs to survive, to eat, to drink, clothes on our back, a safe place to live? 
The truth is that most of us, not all of us, but most of us have never really had to experience that kind of insecurity and scarcity. Most of us don't have the problem of not having enough. We have the problem of having too much. And we live in a culture where the the mantra is, I want what I want and I want it now. And yet what we want never seems to be enough for us. Just in case you didn't know, your devices that you carry around, they're very aware of that. They know that what you have is never enough and you always want more. You know that your phones are always listening, right? You're in a conversation with a friend and isn't it coincidental that the next time you pull up your phone and you're surfing or scrolling through something, there's an advertisement for the very thing you were discussing. It's as if they know, someone out there knows that we will never have enough and our phones are even always trying to tell us you need more and more and more and yet we have more than we need, we have more than we want and many of the things we get, we stop liking them not long after we get them. Yet isn't it interesting that being in a culture and in a time where we have so much, way more than we need, we are probably the most worryful people who have ever lived is not life more than food the body more than clothes and jesus gives us this great example he turns to the birds of the air look at the birds of the air jesus says they do not sow or reap or store away in barns like we do with all the things we accumulate and yet your heavenly father feeds them are you not much more valuable than they think about birds for just a moment birds are anything but idle they don't sit around just waiting for god to drop something in their presence birds work hard they work hard to provide for themselves to build for themselves to take care of their young here jesus is not saying to just sit idle and wait for something good to happen but in the midst of their hard work god provides for the birds all that they need for their work to be productive what they need that they might survive that they might live and that they might reproduce jesus says if god does that for birds temporary beings beautiful as they are how much more will he do that for you who are eternal beings we who have been created with more than just a body our our lives are so much more than just taking care of this body giving it what it needs or giving it what it desires god has given us a soul and a spirit he's created in each one of us this longing for him in the depths of our soul that only he can fill and we are the only thing in all of creation that god says that is created in my image you me we are created in his image and our soul and our our spirit make us eternal beings which means we will live forever we'll either live forever dwelling in the presence of god who created us or we'll live forever separated from god who created us not dwelling in his presence humanity is the only part of creation in all of scripture that we see described in these terms and here jesus says if god takes care of birds in the way that he does how much more valuable are you than they are your heavenly father knows what you need and he will take care of you i love this little poem from elizabeth cheney not to be confused with the liz cheney of politics today okay this is elizabeth cheney 
the early 20th century American author who wrote The Robin and the Sparrow, said the robin to the sparrow, I should really like to know why these anxious human beings rush about and worry so. Said the sparrow to the robin, friend, I think that it must be that they have no heavenly father such as cares for you and me. We know better. We know that our heavenly father loves us and cares for us. We are much more valuable than the birds. We Men and women, boys and girls who are made in God's image. And Jesus asked the question in verse 27, Indeed, can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? Actually, what Jesus literally says here is, Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single inch to your height? And believe me, I've tried. It doesn't work, okay? Can any of you, by worrying, change one thing about that level of your circumstances? Why do you worry about clothes? Verse 28. See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon, Solomon who wore not only the finest made clothes, but the most exquisite in all the world, still to this day the wealthiest man who ever existed. Elon Musk had nothing on Solomon, okay? And yet even the finest clothes that Solomon wore, Jesus says, don't compare to the intricacy of God's design of a simple flower. What God has woven into creation by his design, even seen in, in the beauty of a flower, is beyond what any of us could create on our own. Any of us could manage or bring forth from our will and our power. And if God can do that with a single flower or the grass of the field, which is here today, but tomorrow is thrown into the fire, how much more will he care for you and me who are made in his image? The, the pictures that Jesus give here today are so important and timely, and as, as I said, for me personally, so meaningful. And then he gives this little line at the end of verse 30, you of little faith. Actually, what Jesus did here likely is he created a new word. The only place you'll find this Greek word, it's not in any other literature, the only place you'll find this one word, which means you people of little faith, is in the red letters of the gospel. It's a word that Jesus uses. And what he means here is not an insult. He's, he's not meaning to insult us, but he's saying quite literally what we lack when we worry, when we're anxious, when we think this way, when we focus too much on tomorrow and not today. What we lack is not what God can give us. The poverty is not with God. What we lack where our poverty is, is in our faith, in our trust, in our God who can provide who is above all, whose promises are true, and who, if he cares for birds and grass and flowers, certainly he will take care of you. Our lack is not God's lack. Our lack is our faith. And though he doesn't mean to insult us by calling us you of little faith, consider for a moment how our lack of faith can be insulting to God. As John Chrysostom said it, Lacking faith, lacking faith is a way of saying, I don't trust you, God, to take care of things. I don't trust you to handle the things that you've said you can handle. It is faith, not anxiety or fear, which should guard our hearts 
and guide our steps. Why? Because faith has its object in God, not in self. Faith trusts in God's will and God's strength, not in our own. And there's been a tendency these last two and a half years to weaponize this, to say things like faith over fear in a condescending way. The truth is we all have something that causes us anxiety. We all have something that causes us fear and concern. And the reality is this command is for all of us. Where we lack faith, where we are anxious, surrender those things to God and trust that your Heavenly Father knows what is best for you. I love how Jesus is the master teacher throughout the Sermon on the Mount. He doesn't just tell us what not to do, but he tells us how we ought to live in light of his word and his commands. Verse 31 through 33, we move into really what is the heart of this passage, that we would seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Do not worry, Jesus continues saying, what shall we eat, what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? Those who don't even believe God exists run around worrying about such things. But instead, because your heavenly Father knows that you need them, seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you as well. Seeking His kingdom first means seeking His reign and his work that he has established on the earth that continues to advance, continues to grow. I can't help but mention the word kingdom without also mentioning the word light. Because where we see that light exists in the midst of the darkness, that's where we know the kingdom of God is at work. And the good news for us today is that the kingdom that Christ came to establish has already been established. It's not just something we're waiting for in the future. The kingdom is alive at, and well. It is active in our midst. And we can find places, even when the darkness seems darkest, that God is at work. And we can live as people of light, the light of the world, like a city on a hill which is not easily hidden. The kingdom of God is a victorious kingdom. God has already defeated in Jesus Christ sin and death. Do you believe that? God has already defeated sin and death. His kingdom is advancing while still, still some darkness exists to the point that someday when all is said and done, there will be no more darkness and all that will be left is light. What a glorious day that will be. But even while some darkness remains, because Christ died on the cross for our sins and he rose from the, the dead, he defeated sin and death and we can live in that victory too. We are not condemned to wallow in sin and death forever. Because of what Christ has already done in his kingdom, we can be free. And that's why Jesus also says, seek his righteousness. Seek his kingdom and seek his righteousness through his work on the cross, listen, we can live the life of the cross. We can live in the light of the cross, knowing that Christ has made us righteous and he has laid for us a path of righteousness that we might walk in it. 
and remember that we bear the family name and with that responsibility of being sons and daughters of the king is the responsibility of walking in righteousness as Christ has modeled for us to walk. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. On the list of the most misused verses in all of the Bible, Matthew 6, 33 has to be one of the top on that list. Where there are many who have taken this to say, if you seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, everything will be added to you. If you seek first his kingdom and righteousness, all that you want or that your heart desires will be added to you. If you seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, whatever you pray for, you'll get it. And usually that's in more of a materialistic sense. What is Jesus talking about? I kept these verses on the screen together for a reason. Do not worry saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? Your father knows that you need those things. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, just like he does for the birds, just like he does for the flowers of the field. He will give you everything you need for life and everything you need to do his will. It's all connected. It's not give you everything you want. It's not give you everything your heart has ever desired. If you seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, he will give you what you need to live and he will give you what you need to do his will. Because when you're seeking his kingdom and his righteousness, what else do you desire but his will and not yours? Seek first his kingdom, his righteousness. All these things will be added to you. Your heavenly father knows what you need before you ask him. That's what Jesus said when he taught us how to pray. Here he says, your heavenly, fathers, he, your heavenly Father knows that you need them. And so as he wraps up this part of the Sermon on the Mount, he bookends the teaching with worry once again. He began by saying, do not worry about your life. He concludes in our last verse, verse 34, with do not worry about tomorrow. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself I love how when Bob read this, he gave a little chuckle. You can picture Jesus giving a little chuckle. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Isn't that the truth? So I have to show you this picture. This was on a little chalkboard in, uh, let's just call it a local food and drink establishment, okay? What a beautiful quote of the day. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. And then they said it was anonymous. <laughs> Are you kidding me? If you Google this statement, you're not going to find anonymous. It's amazing how biblical illiteracy comes to light in so many places. But here, these words, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. These were not spoken by some unknown wise sage or some social media influencer. These are the words of Jesus. These are the words of our Lord and Savior. These are the words of our Master who we follow as disciples. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Do not worry about tomorrow. And yet, isn't it amazing that all worry ultimately is worry about tomorrow? We don't worry about the present moment. We worry about what's coming next. 
Worry is always about tomorrow or about something that's going to come later than this moment, but it's always experienced right now. We carry the burdens of worry about things that may or not even become a reality when we worry about them. Jesus says it's the future that's the focus of our worry. If you will focus on being fully present in this moment that God has for you, let tomorrow worry about itself. Had a great personal illustration of this in my own life when we were on vacation in New Mexico. Did I mention that the weather was really, really nice in New Mexico? Every time we go to the mountains, we try to take a hike. We like to do big hikes. So if we go to Colorado, we always try to hike a 14 or maybe more than one. In New Mexico, there are no 14ers, but we did the best we could. The highest peak in New Mexico is Wheeler Peak. It's 13,167 feet, and so that's what we did. And I'm so proud to show you an image here of the very last part of the hike where you're going to the summit of the mountain. I'm proud that so many members of my family did this hike with me. You'll look there, you'll see some of my extended family, but you'll even see my nine-year-old. We like to say that Kinsley is a beast. She is tough and strong. She hiked that entire mountain. I was so proud of her. My son Noah raced to the top. He destroyed us all getting to the top. And I have to also brag on Abigail. She went from the bottom to the top without complaining and all the way back down without complaining. It was an amazing hike. But about an hour and a half before we reached the summit, it was really getting hard. Some of the members of our hiking party who shall remain nameless were starting to struggle and they were starting to consider turning around and going back. One of them made the mistake of looking up towards the top and said, are you kidding me when they saw how much was left? I said, I've done many of these before. Here's the best tip I can give you. Don't look to the top. Don't look too far ahead. But when it gets hard, we're just going to focus on the next 10 steps, maybe the next 20 steps, and we'll stop and we'll take a break. We'll go to this switch back and then to this switch back. And if we will just keep going forward 10 steps at a time, 20 steps at a time, I promise you, we will eventually make it to the top. When we get to the top, the conditions there will be what they are. But for now, if we're ever going to get there, we just have to keep moving forward one step at a time. Do not worry about tomorrow. If you look to the top, if you worry about what it's going to take to get to that point, if you look at the mountain that you have to climb and think that is insurmountable for me, Jesus reminds us one step at a time, just keep moving forward, walking in obedience, in faithfulness, seeking first my kingdom and my righteousness, and all these things that you need will be added to you as well. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So may we be fully present in this moment that God has for us so that we don't miss one thing that God has divinely appointed for us to, to experience and to walk in obedience in as we share this moment together. I have to be honest, this is an area where I have not always been good. And where I am still not always good. Focusing on the present. Not worrying too much about the future. Not worrying too much about where things are headed. But it's an area where I hope that I've experienced some personal growth. And I pray that in the future I will grow even more. 
because this is what it looks like to be a true disciple. And this is what it looks like, brothers and sisters in Christ, to walk by faith. A beautiful, timely passage that Jesus has given us indeed in a time where there is so much anxiety and so many are tempted to just be selfish and only think about themselves. Here Jesus reminds us to walk in obedience to our Lord, to love our neighbor, and to trust him that when our future and our times are in his hands, they are in good hands indeed. I want to invite you to pray with me to bow your heads. And as we move into our time here of response, I just want to read one more scripture over you. And I don't typically add a scripture to Jesus' teaching. But this one, I believe, is really important for us today. And it's a scripture that some of you have already been thinking about. The Lord has already called it to your mind. These are the words of the Apostle Paul from Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 through 7. And I pray that as we move into our time of invitation, they too will be a comfort to you. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. God, I thank you today for the words of Scripture, for the words of our Lord and Savior. And I pray that as we have this time of response that you would help each of us to wrestle with these questions. Are we seeking first your kingdom in every area of our lives? Are we seeking your righteousness through obedience, through walking with you? And are we laying up for ourselves treasures in heaven or only treasures on earth? Lord, I pray today that you would free us from the temptation to fight darkness with darkness, to fight sin with more sin, to fight evil and anger with more anger, and to fight anxiety with trying to take control. Lord, I pray today that you would set us free from those temptations, that we would trust you, that we would seek first your kingdom, all that is light, that we would live in righteousness and obedience to you, and Lord, that we would put into practice this teaching that you've given us throughout the Sermon on the Mount to be the people that you've called us to be. I pray all of this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen.